Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? And more to be, we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of More to Be and the host of the More to Be podcast. And I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On today's episode, I've got my friend Kaylee Kelch back with me. Hello, Kaylee. Hey, it's good to be here. It is good to be here. This is our selfish coffee time, right? Yeah, really. <laughs> Across computer screens and thousands of miles. So. It's, our, it's our virtual connection. I know. I love it whenever the kids ask me, they're like, so who are you recording the podcast with today? And I'll be like, oh, I'm recording with Kaylee. They're like, oh, yeah, Kaylee's the one at the boarding school, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah she's the one at the boarding school. I wish we were there together, but we're not. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah crazy it's crazy how similar our backgrounds are and how special our friendship has become virtually yeah i know we haven't met in person yet um it's always over the phone or skype or whatever else um so it's it's pretty i don't know it's still it's just so wild to me like how god leads and moves in our lives and how he orchestrates things um across miles and states and yeah. they bring people together. So it is crazy. And that's what we're going to talk about today, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love, I don't know if we'll end up titling this episode, what we think we're titling it right now, but this idea of waiting on God and watching mm-hmm. his work. And, and we've talked about this before in terms of like our roundabout episode. What do we do when God takes us in a direction that we didn't expect? Right. How do we join him there? But I've got some kind of fresh thoughts from another portion of scripture to kind of talk through. So even before we go there, do you find yourself currently, are you in a waiting season or a watching season or not sure? Um, I wouldn't say I'm in a waiting season. My waiting season kind of happened about three years ago. Mm. And, And that was the feeling God's call to more full-time ministry um, instead of volunteer. And yet that took a year and a half before it, it came to fruition of being able to step into a position of, you know, a paid position of ministry mm-hmm. um, here at the school. And yeah, I mean, waiting is just hard. You know, I, I think we, we end up with um, questioning things, like at least for me and my experience, like then there was doubts whether I had heard correctly and Mm -hmm. hindsight, like I wished I had seen the time as just this season of preparation, Mm. Um, which there was a piece, like I had a conversation with a really dear friend and, and she had kind of laid that out a little bit, looking at the life of Moses and the, the fact that he he was called to a position of leadership and yet he that 40 years um spent as a shepherd was such an important time in his life of preparation to lead the children yeah. of Israel out of Egypt and and he he knew that you know there was something big for his life and yet it, it took that much time for him to come to grips with a lot of things and for God yeah. to take care of him um so there was a piece of that in my mind but you know there the the hindsight is like, man, I wish I had just like embraced that fully and lived into that of this preparation before stepping into it. Um, As far as like now, I guess I I feel like it's kind of the 
full steam ahead and, yeah. and watching how, yeah, God's continuing to open doors and, and developing me as a leader, because even that first year then after the waiting mm-hmm. and now it's like, Eureka, it's here. I'm, I'm living fully into what I'm supposed to be doing. There was so much personal growth that happened that first year of just yes. the, the, the unknown. And was I doing things right? And now I had this position and, and I was, you know, this was what God had. And yet, man, there was hiccups and things weren't just like falling all into place. And, and I was uncertain, um, Mm -hmm. of my role in the mentoring side. And so there was so much growth and there's still continued growth. Um, I feel like I've gotten past certain hurdles (laughs) that it feels a little good to say, okay, breathe. And, and now you understand some things better and you're a little bit more confident in who you are and who God has called you to be in this season. Um, but I think, I think all of that saying all of that, like Mm -hmm. just the grace in the process of your journey. Yeah, that's good. Cause it is a journey and that's, that's the struggle. I think we always anticipate when am I going to arrive? Like, how am I going to get there? Uh, And then, and then the frustration of like, am I still dealing with this? Right. I mean, even in the, there's always these multi layers. I think of our lives a little bit like, um, you know, an evening drama on television where Mm -hmm. each episode has its own like storyline, but then there's these other storylines that are woven in and out of the main storyline. Like, we were watching this uh, series for the longest time and I just felt like we waited three seasons for this one couple to finally get together. (laughs) Right. It drives you crazy. It drives you crazy. Like, is this going to be the episode? Is this going to be the episode? But every episode had its own story. And that is such a good visual for our lives where we're in a moment and yet it's part of a bigger moment. And we, we internally can't, give the placement and the context of it. Mm-hmm. And so I, this past weekend, I had the opportunity to go to a baby shower for one of my friends. Now, this mm-hmm. is the crazy part of the story. She's a friend back from the boarding school that we lived okay. at when we were in, in New York. Mm-hmm. And she lives five minutes from me right now. Oh, wow. Right? Because she's originally from this area. They, Her and her husband had moved up to the boarding school when we were there. She became one of my best friends. And then we moved here Mm -hmm. and she knew exactly where we were moving to. And then a year later, they moved here. That's so cool. Actually, it was two years later. Two years later, they moved here because we have another friend who moved here in the in-between year. So like, it was just crazy. So I go to this baby shower for her and I'm expecting to only be surrounded with people that I don't know, except for her. I know her mom. I know her sister and sister-in-law. I walk into this baby shower. And there are three women from the boarding school that I spent a decade and a half of my life with. And I was like, what in the world? Like the, some of them brought their, you know, some of their children. And so I'm looking at their kids who are like four years older than when I left. And I'm like, how does this happen? Like, how, how did God orchestrate that we would all be sitting in this house in the middle of Pennsylvania, celebrating this child that was unexpectedly, you know, conceived and, <laughs> and, you know, changing life and bringing all these communities of people together. And we never saw the groundwork being laid for any of that. Right. 
And so is it was interesting because you know we're catching up, and so it became a real time of reflection too, like what is life like here and what is awesome about it and what is hard about it? And did you ever see that coming? And where is that now going? And we're at this crossroads of, you know, my, my second oldest going to college in a year and we still don't know where she's going to go to college. And, and it, it feels like I have been in a constant waiting and a constant watching season for like the last five years. Yeah. And, and I suppose that's what happens when you hit your forties and you have, yeah children who are growing up and going off to college and you're constantly in the anticipation of, well, what's next? What is this going to look like next? And the interesting thing for me has been a real conviction in the last couple of weeks, where, where's my focus? Mm -hmm. Uh, Where's my um, attentiveness to what God is doing? Even if I feel like I can't see what he's doing. And then once he reveals his work to me, am I joining him in it or am I being ornery about it? Right. And grumbly and saying, but, 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 you know, distinctly Israelite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so all that came out of a particular day in my Bible study homework, which I've talked this season. I've actually been talking for the last two seasons about this Bible study that I'm doing at church. And I, I want to share some of it and I want to give credit to the person who's actually put it together. The, um, her name is Kim Birch and she is the wife of the pastor at my church. And she mm-hmm. has compiled uh, this Bible study that is called finding I'm looking at the cover of it, finding your way a flyover view of the Bible. And she uses the wayfinding Bible, mm-hmm. which allows you to pick different plans to read basically the narrative of God's story from beginning to end in snippets. And okay. she has taken a particular flyover and has integrated all this other really valuable content so that we understand who God is, who God's people are, what are God's plans and what are God's purposes and what are God's promises. And so we're at the point in our study, we hit this a couple of weeks ago, of the 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's mm. called the intertestamental period. And in that 400 years, there was no prophecy. There was no judges. There was like no evidence of the voice of God. Can you imagine? Yeah, that's it's yeah. crazy because I know because we struggle with just at least I'm speaking for myself. Yeah. I struggle just going, you know, a week, a month if I feel like I'm not hearing something specific. Yes, yes, exactly. And and if you think about it, put yourself in the place of being an Israelite. A Jew, you know, a Jewish follower looking for their Messiah, where God had previously spoke by a pillar of fire by night, a, a pillar of cloud by day. His presence was in the, in the tabernacle, temple. Yeah. the temple, the Holy of Holies. He gave the people the judges they wanted. He gave people kings. He gave prophets. Mm-hmm. The Lord was going out and then nothing. Absolutely deafening silence which makes uh, there's a story you know we we read the christmas story what i'll call the christmas story right of jesus's birth and 
and it's usually we always focus on the shepherds and then the wise men who came and, you know, Mary and Joseph. And yet I love the story of Simeon and Anna. Yes. Um, we just studied that. <laughs> and, but this idea then, if you think about that, it talks about the Bible is so specific about how faithful they were. Yes. And, yes. you know, 80 years here she is in the temple after yeah. being a widow and just praying and praying. And then God reveals that here is the Messiah in her midst and that she prophesies further and shares than with everybody around her and says, you know, I can die now. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you think then that for, yes, all those years of people who were faithful mm-hmm. in that waiting and, and didn't lose hope and lose mm-hmm. sight no. and then would pass it down to that next generation. And, and there was only, you know, there was just a core people who were really committed to it. Yeah. And yet it kept going and going until you get to, yeah, these two prophets that get to see yes. Christ in the flesh. Yeah. You know, as a little babe and understand it too, that they hear the Pharisee. I mean, the other priests are standing there just oblivious to it. I know. I know. And the fact that they, it, it, I didn't think about this before, but right now, who were the people that spoke into Simeon and Anna's life? Because they they believed what had been passed to them. Because mm-hmm. they weren't, I don't think that they were like at the front line 400 years earlier. I mean, I don't think that they were 400 years old. No. Right? So right. their faith was really a gift from God, but also something that I think had to have been cultivated in their family line mm-hmm. year after year after year. So, so there's that piece, and we're going to look at that. We're going to look at um, Hebrews 10 and 11 about the people of God walking in, in faith. What really struck me was that God might have been silent, but he wasn't absent. Right. And so in that 400-year period, these four things happened. The Greek language went out all through the region. Mm-hmm. which was the foundation for which the gospel came forth through, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Synagogues were being built. And so the people of God had a place to gather together to hear the good news of God right? when it would come forth. I mean, where was Jesus found as a six-year-old, right? I right. think he was six or he was young. He was in his father's house in the temple, mm-hmm. right? It, yeah, he was 12 because he went to the Passover 12. for the first time. Right, right, 12, not six. I don't know why I said six. And then um, from a, from a like political perspective, uh, peace ruled in the in the Mediterranean world. It was called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome, and it was a time of safety for the people in which they could thrive. Freedom of religion was tolerated by Rome during this window of time, mm-hmm. which is fascinating to see the the. You know, God is even in the politics, right? Even in the the government. Um, And then lastly, roads were being built because of the peace that reigned in the region. Trade routes were well established. And those were the paved routes that the gospel went forth on. Well, the wise men wouldn't have ever been able to show up. Right. You know, because they came from the east. And so they wouldn't have had any roads to travel on. No hadn't been put in place and they were then the ones who took back this message to a whole different group of people yes Yes. um, as to the birth of the messiah yeah so i i kind of walked away from this and i i mean it's still like 
resonating in my, in my heart and my mind. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but I felt God impress upon my heart. Like Lisa, I have created for you a language, a location, a, a time of life and pathways for you to join me in my work. Mm-hmm. And where you feel like your eyes are kind of what's next, where am I going? What's, what God, what is God going to have to do in me, through me, for me? Um, how is he going to use me? There's a present calling mm-hmm. that's, that's on me right now that I can, that I need to walk out my faith on. And, and for me in particular, and I know this is like a little bit of a tangent, for some of the gals that are listening, but one of my areas of struggle, deep, deep struggle in leading an online ministry has been my hatred of social media, <laughs> which you know how I feel about it. I know. I, well, I'm in the same boat. I struggle so much with it. <laughs> I hate, I hate social media because I, I love real life relationships and I, I don't like being misunderstood. I don't like being unliked. I don't like being liked and not understanding why I'm liked. (laughs) I I don't, I don't like statistics. I don't like Mm -hmm. measurements. I don't like any of the social media stuff. Like two of my dearest friends are not on social media and I can't tell you how much I sometimes I envy them and think Mm -hmm. I, I just want to be you. And then I get a lot of judgment too. Like you're on it all the time. I'm like, no, actually I'm not. It's scheduled. Right. Like, right. because here's the deal though. This is where the conviction came down for me was that my modern day roadway mm-hmm. is social media. Yeah. And if, if Paul who was commissioned to bring the gospel forth stood at a road that had been laid in that 400 year period of time and said, this road is stupid. I I don't know why they made it this way. It should have gone this way instead. I'm just going to go in that direction. Right. Or I'm so tired of traveling. I'm so tired of traveling. Like I can't believe I have to do this to like bring the gospel forth. Like how stinking annoying is that? We would all look at Paul and be like, Oh my word, you're a nutball. Like God gave you this roadway, steward it, use it, thank him for it enter into it for his glory. Mm. Uh, and that I'm pretty sure what is what Paul did. He used what God had given him and he traveled all over creation, you know, in that region, not all over creation, but all over being a messenger of the good news. Mm-hmm. And so I think whether or not we are um, like doing what I'm doing in full-time ministry online or just um, working at an account, I shouldn't say just, but like working at an accounting firm or caring for children or, you know, the clerk in a store, like whatever it is that God has given us to kind of look at the infrastructure of our lives Mm -hmm. and say, how do you want me to use this as a message bearer of the good news? And how do I walk by faith in all of this infrastructure while waiting and watching to see what you're going to do next. Yeah. I think a lot of times I have had conversations where people feel like, well, I'm not in ministry. You know, I'm not part of women's ministries at my church. I'm not, you know, a paid staff person. I'm not the pastor. I mean, the list goes on and on. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet I love the stories and I've read one. It's been a little while ago, but 
of a husband and wife who own um, a car repair business. And for them, the faithfulness looks like that they are always very careful with their repair costs and they are honest with their customers. Mm. And they have engaged in this ministry of providing spiritual books and materials to their customers after they fix their car. Wow. And, you know, so for them in their context, their roadway and their faithfulness is taking the time that they're not just another car coming in that, you know, it's somebody owns this and it's a person and where are they with their walk with God and being honest in their business dealings with them and then sharing Christian material. Who knows how many lives they are going to see when they get to the kingdom of God and, and, um, people that they've touched that they have no idea. Right. Absolutely. And I think that that's the model for each one of us is, Mm -hmm. is where, (laughs) what is our language? What is our location? What provisions like in the governmental provisions of the Pax Romana, what is our current provisions that God has provided for us in the U S they're extravagant. Yeah. You know, and what are the roadways? What are the, the places in which we get to travel on, you know, is it the, the sidelines at the soccer field? Is mm-hmm. it the, um, you know, the hair salon that we get our hair colored at? Is it the um, interactions with our accountant or our, you know, uh, real estate agent or whatever it is? Like, these are the opportunities that we have in the moment to say, okay, this is, I'm not just here by accident. I'm here on purpose for a purpose. And God, you've made provisions for me. Am I thanking you for those provisions and joining you in it? Or am I hostile because it's not exactly how I would do it? Right. Or am I just not even looking for it? I think that's the other thing is that so many times, um, we pick up our faith on the weekend when we show up at church or maybe at a midweek service. And yet, the the days just roll by and we're busy and we get involved and and we don't think mm-hmm. to incorporate God into our everyday lives. Whether that mm-hmm. is, yeah, like being at home and a stay-at-home mom, like how are you incorporating God into your life and into mm-hmm. your children's lives? Um, if you're working, I mean, you've given just so many examples. Yeah. But how are we taking him with us everywhere we go? Right. And in looking at that, every single moment of our day is potential and opportunity for a divine appointment. Yeah. And, and that's not saying that, that every day you're going to have these deep conversations, yeah. um, but being open to the Holy Spirit's leading then that mm-hmm. when he prompts that you're there yeah. and you're fully like focused and ready for it because every day you're saying, God, who do you have for me today? what interaction is going to lead to a conversation about you or who needs encouragement? Um, yeah. Needs- and I, I could hear the, I could hear the, but, 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 but excuses, which, which I've been at, at I know. like when you're sick or when you're struggling with your health or you're, you're going through a loss or a tragedy when the job's not going right, you know, it's almost like you're like, I need somebody to do that for me. Like, but what about me? And I would offer this challenge that's hard for me to even take up. It's the promise of scripture is that when we refresh others, we will be refreshed. And so 
if we could just do that little attitudinal <laughs> switch um, and, and say, okay, this is where I am. This is how I feel, but this is where I choose to step. And I'm going to yes. move my mental position to a different location and, and say, God, I need you to show up there. And I, I need you to change my thinking in, in this moment. And I think that, I mean, this is not, this is not a new concept. We see this in Hebrews. We mm-hmm. see this in the, the story of the people of God. And I mean, this is such a great summary chapter of like the whole Old Testament up until this point. And so it is. we wanted to pick up at, at verse uh, 19 in chapter 10. So would you go ahead, uh, Kaylee, and read that from 19 to 25, and mm-hmm. then we'll jump over to chapter 11. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Mm. Gosh, so much jumped out to me just now that I had never seen before. And honestly, it's because of this year of of studying studying the history of God. Mm -hmm. So Old Testament context the Levitical priests were the ones that went into the most holy place. They were right. the ones that communed with God and then came back and, and gave that to the people. And actually, if you, um, I think it's the first chapter or second chapter in Luke, you have Zechariah mm-hmm. who was by lot, he was drawn as the priest to go in and meet with God. And mm-hmm. God told him that he and his wife would have a son and he didn't believe him. He doubted. He right. said, but how could this be? And we had a great laugh in our Bible study group about this because, you know, Zechariah is an old man. And when he's like, but how? He might literally biologically be wondering, like, how does this logistically happen? Right. And he's like thinking on the human. He's like, God, have you seen me lately? Have you seen yeah. my wife lately? Like, I, I, we're not right 25. <laughs> like, how will this happen? And then my, my friend in study made us laugh so hard. She, she's this like really expressive, like Italian kind of Greek woman. Think of my big fat Greek wedding kind of like uh-huh. personality. And she's like, imagine her chasing that, you know, Zach, Zachariah is chasing her. And, and he, she's saying, get off of me. What is wrong with you? What? Go away, go away. You know, kind of response. And so there's this, this thing of God happening. And, and what is being fulfilled is John the Baptist being mm-hmm. born, who is going to be the one who makes the way and says, the here's the Messiah. He's the forerunner to Jesus. So we get to this place in Hebrews, and, and Paul is writing about how Jesus has replaced the entire priesthood, essentially. Like, he is the most high priest. There is no need for all of this. Well, and he's the mediator. 
Yes. So like he is the one between, you know, he's taking, and it says, you know, he is now our high priest. Yes. So he was taking that, what the human role of the high priest, he would go into the presence of God and, and pray before the Ark of the Covenant. Like now Jesus is in that place and there isn't this gap of, you know, a human person. Um, so yeah. he's interceding for us because that was the role of the high priest too, is that they would intercede for the people. Yes. They would pour out their prayers. So this idea of like Jesus praying for us oh. and interceding on our behalf before um, the heavenly father. Yeah. And, and yet though being called our elder brother and like yeah. this, this friendship and this connection and yet this holiness, like it's just mind boggling, honestly, but such um, so cool. So it's so cool. And it's so cool to see it also as that with the announcement of Jesus, with the, with the birth of Jesus, we always see that as the beginning of the new Testament. And yet I'm sort of getting a different perspective right now of John is basically the last prophet and the first prophet in a way, like He's, he's mm-hmm. in the New Testament, but he has ended the silence of God. It's very true. Right? And yet the people would not have necessarily known what to do with that because, you know, imagine being there like, what, what on earth is going on here? Like, we haven't heard anything like this for 400 years. Right. And now you're telling us that God's on the move again? Like, mm-hmm it would be natural to doubt and natural to question and natural to say like, I don't even understand. Right. Yeah. And we even talked about like how Zachariah was silenced for the entire pregnancy. Like he did not speak until, until uh, John was born and then he named him. Yeah. And, and one of the gals in Bible studies said, she's like, imagine all that John had, uh, all that Zachariah had to work through in those nine months. Maybe God kept him quiet because he just would have made a mess of it. Who knows? Right. 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 And so there's even a little lesson for us. Like in our waiting, is God giving us a period of silence where we feel like, Maybe we have no voice or maybe we don't understand what he's doing, or maybe there's nobody that understands us is what is he trying to accomplish in us during that period mm-hmm. that feels at the time, like forever. I mean, fortunately, I don't know if Zachariah knew I'd have to go back and look at the scriptures. If he knew he'd get his voice back once the baby was born or did he think that was forever? Yeah. I mean, who knows to be honest, we'll have to go read that. Yeah. Okay. So So we're in this passage and it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. I think I need to put that somewhere in the house. I was thinking the same thing because in it, and it looks different for each one of us. Um, I was just thinking, I don't know. I was pondering some stuff this last weekend and then um, I don't know if you've, well, you're up in Pennsylvania, sight and sound. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Never okay. been. Uh, they have amazing, you know, productions on the Bible. But anyways, we have some of the DVDs, the recordings of their productions. So uh, my daughter is watching the one on Jonah. And so after we finished, like I went back and read through the book of Jonah mm-hmm. and you think about it, like he, he was a prophet 
with a call of judgment and yet he was reluctant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He he ran from God Mm -hmm. and in his running, he converts a whole boat of heathen sailors. (laughs) And then he's, you know, he has his, his waiting period was only three days that like praying to God and, and comes to grips of his like stubbornness is spit up out onto the shore, agrees to, yes, okay, God, I will obey you, goes and preaches. And then is the whole begrudging issue with that now grace is offered to a whole city and had been offered to him. But the city of Nineveh, 120,000 residents. And from all we can tell in scripture, they were all like, they repented. The whole city repented. That's fantastic. So like, here's his story. And then I I was, as I was thinking about that, the juxtaposition of Jeremiah who preached for 40 years had no converts. Yes. Like the Bible, from all we can tell, there was nobody who, who agreed with or understood his message. In fact, many people called him a false prophet because his prophecies weren't coming true because God was having him prophesy like for a long term range here. Yep. Yep. So when you look at both of those and I, you know, those pieces and different people's lives, like this holding firm and not wavering mm-hmm. is different for each of us. Yeah. Yeah. Jonah had this three days and then 30 days and then coming to terms with what God was doing and how mm-hmm. he was moving. And the book ends abruptly. Like we don't know no. what Jonah no. did after that. Yeah. Finally come into a healthy understanding of things or what. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeremiah's waiting looked totally different. Totally. And, and, and was difficult in its own way. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, so no, no wonder, verse 35 says, don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Mm-hmm. For in just a little while, the coming one, I, I've never seen that name of God, the coming one. Mm. That's what it is in the NLT translation here. Mm-hmm. Will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. And I think there's a great risk in in waiting on God is where we begin doubting God. And doubting God is where we begin to turn from God. Well, because Satan gives us the question then in this time of waiting, well, did you really hear oh. God correctly? You know, he's not showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he puts so many doubts and lies. And that's why it is. I mean, we've talked about this the yeah. anxiety with other things, it's, it's a battle for our mind. Yep. Yeah. And, and we have to fight back whatever makes sense for our personalities, whether it's writing things down, where it, whether it's voice messages to ourselves, you know, something, <laughs> whether it's the reading, um, we've got to keep putting this in front of ourselves because yeah. we, otherwise we're just going to keep tripping up or we're going to go down our own paths. I mean, it's just, it's not going to look as um, good as if we're following God's will and which is knowing him and trusting his promises. Yeah. And I think I would add to that, all those things you just said, everything that we talked about on the anxiety, battling your anxiety podcast Mm -hmm. is practical. 
for that period of doubt, whether or not you want to call it anxiety, they're just really good techniques. But I also see the we, we are not, we are the faithful. And in that 23 through 25 section, let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Like you and I are, are cannot emphasize this enough because we just believe in it wholeheartedly, like mentoring biblical relationships that are transparent. I mean, you and I are doing this conversation here on the podcast, but if I was struggling or you were struggling in something, we'd be doing the same conversation yeah. in a Voxer message back and forth. Right. And, and so having these like prayer groups, these prayer sisters that you can go to and say, here's my struggle. I am doubting God's promises in this waiting period. I don't see him working. Mm -hmm. Where do you see him working? Mm -hmm. And even like we, um, we were part of a, in medium-sized small group that expanded into a really large small group. And, and then God led us pretty clearly to withdraw from that large small group to meet one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one with another couple. And so it's not even, it, it, there's no one right size. There's no one right fit for that kind of fellowship. Like there were great benefits in the large group and there's great rewards in this small mm -hmm. commitment. I mean, we're getting, we're dealing with our issues and their issues at a level that would not be comfortable to, to speak about in a large setting. You would just feel like you were monopolizing the time. Yeah. And, and so there are seasons. I don't think that we will be doing this forever. I could see this particular new group expanding at some point and then changing. And so uh, my challenge is that if you are not in fellowship with other believers, find it, start with one person yeah. <laughs> and, and ask God to add to your number uh, because yeah. that is critical to your faith. I don't, I don't think we can do it solo. Well, it's critical to our health, honestly, like just our health. Uh, yeah, our physical, mental well-being. Um, I was just started a book by Henry Cloud, um, changes that heal, I think is the title of it. And, you know, he's talking about the struggles with depression and anxiety. And one of the key things that he's found in his practice, um, is that there's a lack of bonding. Yes. Whether it's the bonding with obviously, you know, from a parent child relationship growing up, but that then there's still not anything to ground this person, as an adult and they don't have a community surrounding them. And yeah. when I say community, you know, a lot of times we're thinking, what, what size is that? Like yeah. you said, start it with one person, you know, when you know that somebody cares about you yep. and has your best interest in mind and will continue to point you back to scripture. Yeah. Um, that's what gives us, um, security and the confidence that we need and the stability to move through the bad days. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think as we look at chapter 11 here at all the people of God that have walked by faith, mm -hmm. I, I think not that I did this before, but that we're going to see that relationship was a predominant component of their journey. Mm -hmm. So, so verse 11 says faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And that's, so, you know, 
waiting on God, watching for his work, like in the middle is faith, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Um, through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. And then we meet our first person. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. And you know what? Abel didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, first takeaway, once we're dead, what will be the example of our lives that's left behind for the next generation to say, my mom, fill in the blank, my grandma, my great grandma, yeah, my mentor, like by faith, she, what, what will our story look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it goes on beyond the, the years that we're given on this earth. Yes. It's profound. So uh, verse five, it was by faith that Enoch, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him, which is how I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> but before he takes my family, because I don't want to be left behind. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now we got another. By faith, we believe. And we don't need to please God by our good works. We need to please God by believing he is who he says he is and does what he says he will do. Yeah. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. What are your thoughts on Noah? Well, my first thought is, you know, when you think about like his community, it was his family. I know. I mean, there was only eight of them. He preached his heart out. You talk about in the waiting season, God gives a message, prepares everything spends 120 years preaching and building this large boat. And then it's a quick seven, you know, quick seven days of waiting to get in the boat. All the animals show up, get in the boat, doors shut, and the flood comes. And then they went through a whole other season of waiting as the water is finally after it, like it rained and not knowing when it's going to stop. And then waiting, um, on God to dry up the earth mm-hmm. and this whole, like, I, you know, using these two terms, like then this watching of that, then they, um, God opens the door and they have a whole earth to themselves to go establish, <laughs> to make a way. Um, I, I just, his story like blows me away. I know. I can't fathom their family being the only ones on the whole green uh, planet. Yeah. And just uh, the fears, the like, or the excitement too, that hey. here they are. I don't know. <laughs> a mix of both. Uh, yeah. I just automatically think of the marital conflict. Like <laughs> what? I mean, imagine if our husbands came to us and said that they were doing something completely never been done before, totally radical, 
the whole town is going to say they're nuts. Like, man, like we never want to stick our necks out and get ridiculed. You and I are like, you know, heavy people pleasers. And so that's really, really rough. Yeah. And so, you know, Noah endured ridicule, no mm-hmm. doubt, and, and still continued to walk by faith, which is well, th- profound. And you think about like his three sons, I mean, mm-hmm. the, they were married and yet their families didn't get on the boat. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine the pull of, of your mom? Don't go yes. with these people. Like your yes. in-laws are crazy. Do not. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Do not yes. get on this boat. Yeah. Um, and, and yet they did. Um, and then we, we do know, like, no, wasn't perfect after that. No. Here he is walking with God. He gets all these signs, all these miracles happen, God's providence and provision for his family. And then he falters and has a little, you know, sexual misstep. Uh, <laughs> oh, big, big. I would call that a big sexual yeah, misstep. I know. I know. <laughs> um, Amidst but, other issues. <laughs> amongst other things. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's part of it. And that's, that's also the call of like why it's so important to, to daily stay close because nobody's, um, mm-hmm. oh, I can't think of the word, immune. Yes. To yeah. Like one day being here and, and I'm sure it wasn't just one day and then the next day he's like falling off the wagon, but you know, obviously his drunkenness got a little out of hand. He was like slipping up and then it's like, whoops. Um, so there must've been some kind of steady, a little decline. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the, the nature of how easy it is to slip away. And what's interesting to me is that clearly, you know, sin marred his life and yet he still shows up in the hall. Yep. Yep doesn't discount him by being seen by God or used by God. Yeah. So verse eight, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that would give him, that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. There is nothing that irritates my personality (laughs) more than that verse in the Bible. I'm like, what? You're not nice, God. Like, why do we have to go where we don't know where we're going? Can't you just Uh tell us? You know everything, you know? This hard truth there. It is. And that, that's, but that's so much that, that part of that growth process. And, and just when you, I know like our most recent move, oh my word, it's been almost seven years now, but um, God was so clear with the sale of the house and then showing us where to move. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. there was a whole level of things not working out mm-hmm. <laughs> and the waiting of where we're going to live. You feel like, okay, the house sells and we know where we're going. Like, okay, where's, where's the new house? You've just provided everything. Yeah. That took forever. Yeah. Um, and yet after the long year and something, you know, we're in the perfect location that we're only five minutes from the school we both work at, which we weren't working at when we moved here. And we're like, oh, thank you, Lord, with the amount we run back and forth. So again, like you see when you look backwards, um, yeah. but in that moment, it felt like, well, God, everything fell into place so quickly. Why isn't the rest of it? And yeah. yet he was like, mm, sorry, now the break is being put on and you have to trust some more and you have to yes. wait in faith for me to open that next door. Mm. And don't doubt that you are not in the right location because you are, Yeah, but not all the pieces have fallen into place. 
And so interesting that you talk about where, where you lived because that was his story. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith for he was like a foreigner living in tents. Yeah. Rental, modern day rental, right? Yeah. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Then we continue on by faith. Even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. So, you know, why does Zechariah not believe easily that this would be his story? Because it had already been something that God had did, done with Sarah. And, and yet there's not many instances in the Bible where a similar miracle is performed. Right. We have Hannah with Samuel and Sarah yeah. with Isaac and then um, Elizabeth. Elizabeth with, yeah. I don't know. Cause I think when it's our story, it feels totally different. That but, is true. That is why. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, but uh-huh. and we, and we read this stuff and I think that's, that's um, when we sit and mull it over ourselves, we get very caught up in our own thoughts. And I think that's mm-hmm. where it goes back to. It's important to have the relationship with somebody else because there's times I have called you and yeah. I have told myself already the same things that you repeat to me. Yes. But it feels different. Yes. And, and I digest it a little bit further, or maybe it's, you know, I've, I've laid a little bit of the groundwork, but man, I need that reinforcement from somebody else. I think yeah. maybe for me, I, so that I don't feel like I'm crazy or off. Yeah. Base. Yep. So uh, I think we'll probably wrap up on this verse 13 here. All these people died still believing what God has promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Well, in verse 39 and 40 of that same chapter kind of sums up the same thing. Like he reiterates this point that they, um, it was by faith that they're still waiting for the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Yes. And verse 40, for God had something better in mind for us so they, that they would not reach perfection without us, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, God, we, our plans go to like the end of the block and his plans go to the end of the nation, you know, like we can't even, we don't even have a human ability to see that far. And, right. and so what it looks like on our timelines of God's not doing anything, it's just a blip on his timeline because his timeline is so, so much greater. Mm-hmm. It's just really profound. You know, so I would say everyone who, who is listening, they need to pick up their Bibles as soon as this is over and read from verse 14 to, to the end of 40. Because what's fascinating is that there, there are more people that walked by faith that did not see what God had promised them. They did not understand the context of their story in the biblical narrative. Right. And, and there's such hope for us there because we don't understand our story in the biblical narrative. Mm-hmm. I was uh, yesterday, I uh, was on a podcast of a friend of mine and 
so she asked me to tell my story again, which had me go back to the point of my salvation back in that London dorm room. And I was retelling how that previous summer I was poolside with Mrs. Simino and she was the first person that really, that hope, <laughs> this hope, this hope, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can mm-hmm. be trusted to keep his promise. You, she's like, if I die from this cancer, I'm going to a better place. I've got eternity secured yeah. Yeah. With, with my, with my creator, my, my Lord, my savior. And if he heals me, then I have a purpose here as mm-hmm. my, you know, wife to my husband and her story, her and her husband had been divorced. They had just gotten remarried. Oh, wow. And, you know, as mom to her girls and, and, you know, I look back on that moment and I think her, her faith changed my life. Yeah. Like her her faith is what compelled me to fully surrender to Jesus three months later. And her faith has led to the saving of many lives. What the enemy intended for destruction, God has used for the saving of many lives, which is truly Joseph's story. Uh, and, you know, that's his passage. And I think it's Genesis 52. But, you know, I, I can't look at my four kids and and not think that they are the byproduct of this one woman in this one conversation because had I not yielded my life to the Lord, Stephen wouldn't have married me and we wouldn't have these children. Right. And so I, it's so good every time I tell my story because it remind it, it's like God is just giving me bigger magnifying glasses to see his yeah. hand of faithfulness and and maybe that's a good place to close. Like if you're in the waiting on God and watching for his work, maybe you need to just stop and look back mm-hmm. at where he's been faithful and what has he already accomplished? Like how, what language, <laughs> what is, what is his voice that's permeated your life? Like synagogues, where are the places that he has taken you to and through like, was it poolside having a conversation with this woman that was the first and last conversation you'll ever have with her? Was it, is it peace? Is it the, the culture and the environment that you have lived in and grown up in that maybe you see negatively, but was there evidence of God someplace in your story? And then roads, like what, what is your journey? What paths has he, has he taken you on to bring you to the place where you are today, which may, if you're in a place of pain, may feel like, well, that wasn't beneficial. But how, you know, if we only stop, look at Joseph's story and stop at the point in which he's in the pit, mm-hmm. it doesn't look good at all. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the story, which was a long, hard, painful journey for him, we see what God used and what God accomplished in spite of what man in flesh and sin tried to do. Good grief, his own brothers. Yeah. And what has led to the Israelite nation. I know. I mean, like him coming to Egypt and, and just saving though the whole Egyptian nation from starvation and the surrounding areas, his own family, yeah. During that time, like God had set him up for that moment. Yeah. 
which is radical, Mm -hmm. which is why we need to read our Bibles because we only understand the character of God if we see him beyond our own selves. Yeah. Right. We can, we knew we love testimonies in, in, you know, any context because they give us hope that, yes, well, if God did that, then he's still at work. And so we have an entire testimony in our hands Mm-hmm. to to read and the problem is it's big and long and hard to to understand so if you know i love it when you and i talk because you have such a breadth of understanding of scripture you pull out the details of all these stories because of god's hand on your life for mm-hmm. so many years and the way you've been exposed to scripture which is you know twice as many years as probably i have and yet i'm i can sit here and say God, you're so kind. You gave me this Bible study that I've been doing for since September and, and it's really sticking. Like, like I may not be able to articulate it as well as you do, but I'm able to understand it and realize, Oh, this is sticking. And so now this is sticky and, and, and we want our listeners to get that stickiness too. And so don't depend upon us. (laughs) Well, and don't give up because I, like you said, and um, you've, flatter me with wonderful words here and just praise to God that, I mean, I did, I grew up in a, in a Christian home and, and had Bible stories like just pumped into my brain since I literally was five. My parents yeah. got, um, records, mm, I was gonna do <laughs> Bible, but, you know, and we would listen, I would go to bed every night listening to the Bible stories read to me. Praise Jesus. And Yeah. And I do, you know, and then going through Christian schools and then just my own study. And, and I think now, you know, you talk about this waiting for a number of years, shoot, five years, I was a book editor and I was editing theological books written by pastors. And so when I stepped into this position of being a chaplain, you know, there was this piece of that I haven't gone to seminary. I haven't, I haven't finished a Bible school degree. And yet then it was like, God kind of reminded me that, yeah, but in those years of editing, like you got part of your degree. No, you were in, you were in the thick of books about revelation and sure not everything has stuck, but you know, it's just that repetitiveness. And so that's Mm -hmm. the thing that I would encourage um, our listeners, regardless of what stage you are, start somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul talks about um, when you were infants that you were given milk, um, but now you have grown up and so you're given solid foods. And yeah. the same idea is that you start with something simple. And we've talked about that before. Start in the Gospels, you know, yeah. go through Paul's letters. Um, the Old Testament, though, has beautiful correlations of what we just brought out today. And but that can be hard to start with, yeah. you know? Um, so just pick something and, yeah. and get into God's word because he will continue to develop your thirst for it. And he'll give you the resources and the people to help you dive in further. And as in your story, you know, more and more is sticking the longer you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really, it's really cool. My, my prayer and my desire is that I want to be able to convey the entire gospel narrative, like from the beginning to the yeah. end, um, orally. And I was just saying this yesterday at our leaders meeting at church, like 
I, I can't yet. Like I'm getting it, but I still can't. And, and part of it that I confessed was that I'm depending upon the review when we show up to class mm -hmm. as opposed to practicing it on my own. And if I started mm -hmm. to practice on my own with what we've been given in this study, mm -hmm. I would be able to do it. And, and so, you know, God is challenging me because, and this is a prayer that goes back probably four years ago. I said, Lord, at some point I want to be able to tell the entire Bible in events and people right. in one sitting. And then he gave me this study to, I didn't even awesome. use to lead this. I, it, I got kind of roped into it because they needed a leader and, and it's awesome. So well, we need to end and end, especially I know. Uh, since we've gone long and I have a coaching client coming up. So, I right. need to <laughs> Well, let me, um, do you want to go ahead and close this in prayer? Sure. Yeah. Dear Jesus, <laughs> we thank you so much for your unfailing love for us and your mercy in each one of our journeys. And we just ask that whether we're waiting or we're watching or we're in between, um, that you would just help us to keep our eyes fixed on you, that, that we would have the faith to hold on to the fact that you have a master plan for each one of our lives. Please lead us into relationships um, with those around us that will uplift us and point us to you. And may we just continue to spend time in your word daily, that we may grow in our faith and our understanding. Um, just live fully into the purpose that you've placed into each one of our lives wherever you have um, set us. We love you so much. And we're praying. Amen. Thank you, Kaylee, for being with me today. Be my friend. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the More to Be podcast. We are praying that you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More to Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a More to Be Sisterhood Circle member. You'll be blessed with our signature courses and resources while being a blessing to others. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God at his work every day.